Oh, and sorry, the children are going to go to their crash. Sorry. During that last song. Because I live in a bizarre world, I'm going to have to ask my wife to go to my car. <laughs> because I haven't got no glasses. So. <laughs> the keys are in my coat. <laughs> no, that's right. Alison, there's a pair in the front, near the, at the front, you'll see them. Just in case you, can't, in case you don't come back for an hour. Okay, fine. Because you live in a bizarre world when there's six children invade your house and another four adults, and it's like it's an excuse, yeah, I know it's an excuse, but it's that it's a whole like, sort of thing of like get yourself ready and then, like, okay, we are going to look at uh, I won't read it at the moment because I can't see it, so, <laughs> so we are, we are going to look at Luke chapter two, we're going to look at Simeon and Anna, and I promise kids we won't be long, okay, it's not, um, I know there's no junior church, um, this morning, um. But I will start by thinking about, um, about Christmas. Um, did, will anybody having turkey for lunch today? Anyone having turkey for lunch? Yeah, that's right. Is that because you've got more turkey than you really needed? Yesterday? Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everyone, it, it's, it's a strange thing about Christmas, isn't it? You always end up with loads of leftovers at you at Christmas and uh, uh, the reality is it's part of the joy yesterday it was bizarre for me because yesterday we bought stuff and um, there were so many people in our house most of it got eaten <laughs> so I'm thinking oh there's not many leftovers left and we've got Mark and Laura and the kids coming for for lunch today so you know there'll be some toast Caleb is that okay <laughs> and stuff but Christmas leftovers, we, we end up, don't we, with lots of Christmas leftovers. When I was a kid, when I was growing up, and you might still do this today, so my apologies if you do. Uh, when I was um, growing up, my parents, for, for I don't know why they did it, but they did it every year. They always used to buy a bag of mixed nuts. You know, do anyone still do that now? I don't know. You know, and, oh, Gene still does it too. They used to buy a bag of mixed nuts, nuts you know, and that's like Brazil nuts and... Oh, Thank you very much. <laughs> it's at Raynham. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're a bit steamed up. Can you get a pair that are not steamed? Um, they'd always buy, you know, like Brazil nuts and almonds and walnuts and, and all those things. You get in a bag of mixed nuts, you know. But the problem was at Christmas is that nobody could, could be bothered to spend five minutes trying to crack, crack a walnut 
and then the next five minutes trying to pick the walnut out of the shell. And so therefore, when it got to Easter, there was still a bag of mixed nuts <laughs> on the other side in our house. That might not be the same for you, Gene, or you, Steve, but um, that's how it used to be. Because, but in some ways, it always used to remind, when I was a kid, it always used to remind me of Christmas. You know, even Easter, I'd be thinking, oh, there's still a little bit of Christmas left. And that, really, that's what I want to think about this morning, very quickly, very briefly. Sorry about that sort of elongated thing while I was waiting for glasses. Right, I'm just going to read this bit in um, uh, Luke 2, uh, the bit about Simeon and, and Anna, really. So it says on, the, on verse 21 of Luke 2, it says, On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and the sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at the very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So I'm just going to think about that just um, this morning, because I just want to think about Christmas leftovers. Um, because I always think Simeon and Anna are, 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 are Christmas leftovers, aren't they? Did I mean, I don't know if any of you kids might not have been in nativity plays, but have you ever, any of your kids ever been a, 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 a Simeon? Ever been a Simeon in a Christmas play? No? Oh, yes? No? Ever been an Anna? No? No Annas? They always get left out, don't they? Even though it's, it seems most likely that they met Jesus before the Magi did. And it's that, that whole thing about they're, they're left over from Christmas. They're left out, if you like, but left over from Christmas. And I want to see today, really this morning, very briefly, how leftovers are really important because this, they are still a, an important part of the Christmas story, I think. Um, and hopefully it will inspire us to continue to celebrate Christmas. I think for this Christmas, I've tried to focus on the food sermons that we've done and even in Revelation that, you know, it doesn't just, you know, begin and end yesterday. And it's something that we should be celebrating all year round, really, in some ways. Not the same way, I'm not saying. But we should be celebrating that. So, two points this morning, very briefly. Uh, firstly, the joy of knowing uh, Jesus. We don't know an exact chronology of how things worked out for Mary and Joseph. There's lots of debate about how much time they spent in Bethlehem, when they went to Nazareth, and all those sort of things. I, I, um, Gary's got a timeline that should come up on there. 
that seems to be about the sort of right time of thing. It might not be right. People might you know, disagree with that uh, completely. But you know, Jesus was born, then he was named a certain size on the eighth day. Then he was dedicated to the temple. Uh, the, the Magi didn't seem to visit him for a while because he's, he's called a, a child, not a baby, in, um, sort of given the name of a toddler in, in Luke. And they went to a house. Then they went to Egypt. Then they went to Nazareth. It's hard to put it all together, but it seems likely that they, well, we know they definitely went to the temple on uh, about six weeks because we're told that in Luke. Mary was ceremonially unclean uh, until the, that time and therefore she couldn't go. And they had to take Jesus to the temple to be consecrated as, as uh, Luke tells us. It was part of the law. He was the firstborn and he had to be consecrated before the Lord. And so they, they go to the temple and then they meet, uh, that's where they meet Simeon. And I've got a picture of the temple as well that, that Gary put up. Um, just in case you're interested, the temple obviously was a huge place. The bit on the left where the sort of main building is, uh, that's the, where the holy place was and so on. And that was the courtyard you see there. You might see, you might not. But that's the courtyard where they used to take, there's the slaughter tables where they used to go in and present their offerings just before the, in front of the holy place in there. Uh, and the women's courtyard was the bit on the, the right side and so on. So it seems like they met Simeon in the bit, sort of, it's, there's a wall down the middle on, on the left side in the, in the courtyard where the, the sacrifices were done. And they met Simeon, who, who came to see them. Now, we don't know much about Simeon. We don't know if he was a priest or a Levite. We can see that Jesus was presented, given to him. So maybe Mary and Joseph trusted him uh, for who he was. Uh, but what we do know about him, and what I just want to think about, is that he was expectant. He was expecting to uh, meet the Messiah. He'd been, this has been revealed to him by the, by the Holy Spirit. For a thousand years or more, you know, uh, especially since you know, the time of David, it, you know, and the, the conquest and all that, you know, the Jews have been really waiting for the Messiah to come. Um, and Simeon had been told that he would, he would actually meet the Messiah physically. That's an amazing thing. And I love that sentence where we're told in here that uh, the Holy Spirit was upon him and they revealed to him. And then in verse 27 it says, moved by the Spirit. Moved by the Spirit. I love that sentence. I wonder how he felt he was moved by the Spirit to go into the temple course. I wonder what happened. I was thinking about this uh, just the other week, thinking about, you know, what, what did he expect to find when he, he, he knew it was right to go forward and, and to, to, to eat. there was something going to happen. You know, it's an incredible thing, isn't it? When you read this, you don't really get a full picture, but when you read this, it's quite interesting when you think about it. Um, you know, just as a public announcement, um, in four days' time, it's my birthday, just in case you want to know. Um, but it's not only mine, sadly. It's reckoned that we, we share our birthdays with about 20 million other people on the planet. You know, I know we're special and unique, but, uh, you know, statistically... <laughs> More people are born between March and May than other parts of the year. But it's reckoned that you probably share your birthday with about 20 million people. So just think about that for a moment. Just think about if Israel, at that time when Jesus was born, had a population of, maybe, I don't know, we don't know for sure, but maybe about a million or so. Um, uh, think about how many babies would have been born the same day as Jesus. Maybe about 2,500, it's thought. Maybe a bit more. You know, and if half of those were boys, that's, you know, 1,250, and even if not all of those were firstborn, less than half were firstborn, you've still got, in some ways, a few hundred baby boys probably being presented in the temple 
every single day of the year uh, were being presented. Now, obviously, the temple was open, and so they could have gone at any time. But when Simeon went into the temple, there could have been, you know, 10 parents or 50 parents or 100 sets of parents with babies who had brought their, their boys in to be consecrated before the Lord. But Simeon, moved by the Spirit, and I love that, he's moved by the Spirit, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for them what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. I love that. I've never really thought about it before until the other week, thinking about, you know, he didn't just randomly go around picking up babies. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, is this one? Oh, no, this is not the one. You know, it, it sort of Luke gives us that impression that he was moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple, and he... he Mary and Joseph came in and he knew, he was moved to know that this is the Messiah. And I think this is, you know, he's expecting to meet the Messiah and, and this was, you know, an amazing thing. And I'm not going to go into what you said. I know David uh, talked about that and he, he, he gave this great prophecy, a light for revelation of the Gentiles and so on. Um, you know, but, but Simeon, he blesses, he takes the child, he gives his blessing, and then he blesses Mary uh, and says, you know, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that we've spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a soul will pierce your heart, your own heart, uh, your own soul too, sorry. But I was just thinking about how that must have made him feel. You know, he, he was expecting, he was waiting for this to happen. And then this great moment happens. And I think, you know, for me, I think, for Simeon, he probably thought, this is it, I've, this has happened now. I've met the Messiah, even as a baby. Jesus still had a life to live and a special death to die. But he met the Messiah as a baby. And, then, and in some ways, it culminated, because he'd had this promise. In some ways, his life perhaps culminated in that whole aspect of holding Jesus. And when I was reflecting on that this morning, I was thinking about the sheer joy of, you know, expectations. When we have expectations, the sheer joy of them being fulfilled is great. Um, and it's one of those things, you know, in life we all go in searching to, to find joy and to, 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 to have something that's going to bring fulfillment to our life. But nothing brings fulfillment, does it, like knowing Jesus. Simeon was expecting to meet with the Messiah, and he, he held Jesus in his arms. And I always think, you know, if you're a Christian here this morning, and, you know, I know most of you are, that nothing, nothing will ever top your salvation. In, in, you know, in that, because from that moment when you're saved, nothing can, ex, no other experiences like that, because that takes you into this new life that we've been thinking about the whole of this year, this whole new life with, with Jesus and going forward into eternal life, into the eternal city and a new heaven and a new earth. You know, and I think sometimes, even as Christians, we can be striving, can't we, to, to find more joy in our lives, pack, pack more in. But nothing will ever top that. For Simeon, this was perhaps the ultimate experience. Um, you're going to meet the Messiah, and then he, he, he holds the Messiah himself. And I think being in Jesus and, and, and knowing him is the ultimate fulfillment in, uh, for all of us. And if you don't know Jesus, your Lord and Savior, and you're striving for anything else, You'll never find it in anywhere else. Like we said, we said yesterday, you know, Jesus is the one who brings that true fulfillment, true fullness into our lives. And Simeon, that was him. That was that, was that for Simeon. Just knowing that this expectation was fulfilled 
in Jesus. So there's Simeon. And then we have this other person, Anna. So secondly, the joy of telling others about Jesus this morning. So Luke tells us about Simeon and the whole situation there. And then he also tells us about this other lady, Anna, who uh, also paid special attention to Jesus that day. We're told all about her. She's a widow. We're told, amazingly, she never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. What a, what a life that must have been for her. You know, just being uh, amongst God's people all, every day, all the time. She was a devout person, as devout as Simeon, no doubt. Eagerly anticipating the Messiah, although we're not told that, but no doubt she would have been as a good Jew. And she's in the temple, as always, and something stirs her that day. You know, she perhaps witnesses the scene. We don't know, again, where she was, what she saw, what happened. We're not told by Luke that the Spirit moved her. We just see that, that um, she, she came up to them at that very moment and she gave thanks to God. Whether Simeon had left, whether she saw Simeon with them and, and she knew Simeon, we're not told that. It's that fascinating whole aspect when you think about it. You know, did she know Simeon? Did she know Simeon's story? Had Simeon spoken to her and said, I'm waiting, you know, I've been told. And then she sees Simeon holding the baby. We just don't know. It's, it's a really interesting scenario. But she comes over. And we, again, we don't get much interaction, do we? She comes over to them and she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all we're sold. So we don't get much of a, a sense of the interaction she had with, with um, Joseph and Mary, whether she held the baby, what she did, we're just not really told. But what we do learn about Anna is really important because she came over, she gave thanks to God, she, she knew who Jesus was, no doubt, that he was the Messiah. And uh, then we're told... She, she went about telling everyone who was the, to look forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. She, perhaps what she understood, we don't know. But perhaps she understood that Jesus was the Messiah and the redemption was coming. It was a woman who prayed and fasted, so she was close to God, no doubt. And she, once she meets with Jesus, she can't wait to tell everyone about it. Off she goes, telling everyone. And I always think it's another uh, amazing thing. Here's Jesus being presented in the temple. And you'd expect maybe the religious leaders to have had the knowledge that the Messiah had come, wouldn't you? The religious leaders in, in Jerusalem. That, that God would speak to them by his spirit. That if God moved Simeon by his spirit, why, does, why wasn't he leading the, the, the main religious leaders in the city? So they would go to the temple when Jesus was there. But again, that's not the way God works sometimes, is it? God doesn't do that. Instead, God uses this, well, I know perhaps not all of you, but maybe a couple of people that are this age in the church. I don't want to call you old, but people in advanced years, maybe, we should say. They, that God used this, this woman of advanced years to go and spread the gospel. And she didn't use the the priests and the Levites and the high priests and all these people. But here's Anna, a woman who fasted and prayed, and she made it her role, therefore, to go and tell everyone. She spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Now, maybe not everyone was looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem, but maybe she knew who was. And, and she was a, the person who went out and talked to people about Jesus. 
And I think that's a, an important thing to think about, the joy of telling others about Jesus. You know, on Saturday, we step into another new year, don't we? Um, and it's always that time of, perhaps between Christmas and New Year, contemplating what 2022 has in store for you. You know, what's going to happen in the next year? We obviously don't know. You know, but you maybe have your expectations of what's going to happen. You know, people that, um, have expectations of different things. What they're going to be doing, what they were not going to be doing, you know, you know, for for me and you know, for like for me and Alison at the moment, we believe that that God is moving us on, and we we, we trust in Him. It's it's daunting, but it's, we trust in Him completely to do that. And maybe the, God is doing this something for you. He's He's sort of prompting you by His Spirit, and you think, oh, I don't know about this. Maybe 2022 is going to be difficult, but it won't be. You know, maybe uh, it, it could be difficult, but whatever happens. In 2022, one thing won't ever change if you're a Christian. And that's our responsibility to tell others, other people about Jesus. To tell other people about who Jesus is. That, that'll be, wherever I live, that'll be my responsibility still. That won't change. It won't change for Alison. It won't change for you. Whatever God has in store for you, if you're a Christian, that never changes. Our role is to tell others about Jesus, just like Anna did. And we should have a joy in that, about telling people about Jesus. I think Christmas is one of those things that often brings the best out of Christians, doesn't it? Christmas always brings out the best, I think. You know, we get, we get to Christmas and we, as Christians, are, are very good at inviting other people to different things at Christmas. You know, come to the carol service, come to the nativity play, come along to this, do this. And we're good at doing that because Christmas gives... That excuse, doesn't it? Because, every, well, not everybody, but a lot of people celebrate Christmas, even if it's not a Christian Christmas. And we feel more easy at Christmas, don't we, to talk to people. It's a bit like Dave was saying, you know, it's like, you know, um, Dave's saying, you know, you're, you're in a street singing carols, and then people who perhaps have got no religious affiliation whatsoever uh, are saying, oh, you know, can you sing a carol for us? You know, because people feel that sort of, little bit of being religious, if you like, at Christmas. And Christians, therefore, sort of, we pounce on that, don't we, sometimes? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I'm not saying that's wrong, because I think it's a great time to be a good witness. But I think also, it, it, as we were trying to say, Christmas starts, doesn't it? It's, it, it? it's not the, you know, when we get to January, we shouldn't say, oh, well, we've done that bit now. Nothing, nothing to do, we can't, can't talk to people about Jesus now, because there's no sort of getting into people, no sort of uh, opening. But we should always be making openings. We should always be looking for those openings, opportunities. Um, Anna, she spoke, to the child, she spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. And I think as we go into this new year, um, I'm hoping that we all go into the new year was full of vigour and joy and whatever, but also that desire to, to, to not think what Christmas has done now. Um, forget about it, but go forward and thinking about, um, you know, Easter's coming, you know, and it's a real desire for us as, as God's people to, to think about, you know, what, what Christmas ultimately comes to, to, to Easter, doesn't it? That's what we was even sung about that uh, this morning. Um, and next uh, next week, uh, in our message, my message next Sunday, we'll be thinking about um, 
because when for, for us as a church, and I know Matty's church, um, uh, who's here as well, we've signed up to um, a Passion for Life, which is a sort of a, a evangelistic outreach, which is coming up to, to Easter. And I'll be talking more about that next Sunday morning. Um, but, you know, that's the whole thing, is about taking what we know about Jesus around Christmas and his birth and going into Easter and his death and resurrection, what it all means, and take that forward. And our role and our responsibility is to um, share the gospel, tell other people about Jesus, tell other people about redemption, and that it's available through him. So the joy of telling other people about Jesus, I hope you, you take that on as we go into uh, a new year. I'm going to conclude nice and quickly this morning. You get it, Christmas is one of those funny times of year, isn't it? You always perhaps... I, I don't, but, you know, some, sometimes people are really glad it's all over and done with. Um, some people feel a bit deflated after Christmas, don't they? Because, you, you know, the adverts start on the TV in sort of, you know, November, you know, and it, it goes on and on and on and on, doesn't it? And then it sort of comes and goes, and you think, oh, really, was that it? Is that it? You know, people, some, you can feel a bit deflated after Christmas. What was the big fuss about, you know? Um... Because sometimes all you've done is left, what you're doing is you're left over with the leftovers, aren't you? You know, you're left over with a bag of nuts <laughs> that nobody's ever going to eat, and you think, oh, great, you know, or, you know, um, some turkey or some. I think a few years ago I came in on a couple of weeks after Christmas with a, with a, with a tin or whatever, a tub of roses chocolates, and there was only the sort of pink ones left that nobody eats anymore. Do you know what I mean? You know, because <laughs> they're the only ones that are left, you know, and you think, oh, you know, do I leave them there in the hope that somebody will eat them before February or do I put them in the bin? And that kind of how can Christmas can feel. A bit like, I've oh, just got the leftovers now. But if you're a Christian, the Christian Christmas really should help us think about what we can take on each day, what we should take from Christmas into every day of our lives. The birth of a saviour, that's the important thing. It's not just the birth of Jesus, is it? It's the birth of a saviour. It's God with us that we thought about last week. Um, and we should rejoice in that every day. Every day we should rejoice in the birth of our saviour. We rejoice in the fact that we are redeemed through him. Nothing that we will ever do will compare with, with being saved will it, and going on to eternal life. Um, and as we move into another year... I hope you have that joy in your heart. So I hope you just focus your hearts on that. Whether you're a child, uh, whether you're an adult, just focus on, you know, Christmas is, that bit of Christmas is done. You might have played with all your toys or worn, I've got another pair of Christmas socks on today. These are Sunderland ones today, by the way, just I brought the, before I put the Sunderland ones on today. But, um, you might be wearing your, your Christmas socks and, you know, whatever. And all your things might be done or you might have lost half a dozen bits of Lego you know, then you can't finish whatever you were making. You know, it can be a bit sort of annoying. Um, but don't let the bubble burst. Keep Christmas alive. Not for the sake of Christmas, but for the sake of Jesus as our saviour. Um, and take that experience into the next few days. Don't let it be deflated. Take that experience of, of knowing, know, knowing Jesus and telling other people about Jesus as we go into a new year. I hope you all do that. I'm going to pray, and then that'll be the end of our Boxing Day service. Let's pray, shall we? 
Heavenly Father, I thank you for the fact that we could just be here this morning, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for the joy of Christmas. I thank you, Lord, that you are the one who came. It's about God with us. It's about the fact of not just a baby being born, but a saviour coming to earth. I thank you for Simeon and Anna, who often get left out of our Christmas story, but I thank you for them. I thank you for the way that you moved them by your spirit. I thank you that they belong to you. I thank you, Lord, that these are, the, these are the people that one day we will be sharing the eternal city with. Lord, and we, we look forward to that joy that we will have with these people, celebrating you for all eternity. And I pray, Lord, that as we go into the last of these next few days of the Christmas holidays, Lord, and go into a new year, that you'll help us to focus our hearts on the birth of a saviour and keep that alive in our hearts as well to encourage us to continue to seek to serve you and to tell other people about you. Lord, I pray, Lord, that none of us will feel deflated after Christmas. I pray, Lord, that we will think about the, the whole aspect of Christmas as we go into a new year and into Easter and celebrating the birth of our saviour who came to redeem us. Be with us, uh, Lord, now as we go to our own homes, Lord. May we continue just to enjoy our friends and our family, Lord, and enjoy you most of all. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.